Welcome to the Being Fearless Podcast. In this podcast, we work on facing our fears so we can live our best lives. We all have a voice inside us telling us we can't. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. I'm your host, Jackie Robbins. I'm an ulcerative colitis warrior, dog mom, and a fitness enthusiast with a cupcake problem. I'm also the author of Everyone's Got Their Shit. It's okay to be scared. Do it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. You guys, I am so excited about today's guest. This guy definitely made me want to step up my game and is a total badass. Today I sit down with Jeremy Woodward. Jeremy is a husband, father of three, fitness coach, and a heart failure survivor. He's the author of Heart Failure to Victory, and I have to tell you guys, this was one of the most inspiring conversations I've ever had, and I really hope you like it as much as I did. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Yay, thanks so much for having me on the show today. I am so excited to have you here. It's always fun to have a fellow podcaster, and you just launched a podcast, is that right? We did. I launched it back in uh, January of this year. Um, We've put out a few episodes, testing a few things out. Um, I have five guests in the queue right now, ready to go. So, yeah, I'm. uh, It's been it's been an incredible journey. I, you know, we were talking off the air about this. I was scared to death to launch my first episode. I procrastinated as long as I possibly could, actually. Because, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be good enough. You know, what are people going to think? And, of course, we launched the first four episodes. I had phenomenal guests. And um, I, you know, and it's just been awesome. So I'm excited to, you know, these next five that I have in the queue ready to go. uh, People, I think, are going to really love their stories, their journey. And, um, yeah, so it's all good. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. You guys listening, it's called Get Inspired with Jeremy. So go download it, check it out. Now I'm wondering, because I have not had a chance to listen, my apologies. I definitely have it downloaded, but life, (laughs) um, (laughs) did you do an interview right out of the gate? Because I know when I started this podcast about a year and a half ago, I did like four or five solo casts first because that gave me the opportunity to record it 1300 times before I was okay (laughs) with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I did the first one as just my as an intro to the show and okay. I think I recorded that about 1500 times. Right? <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And I was like, oh, do I put this out? Do I send it over to the producer? I don't know. Is it going to be good enough? You know, all these things are going around in my head. I'm like, oh, what, what's it going to look like? But um, ultimately, I just said, all right, just gotta, uh, just got to suck it up, yeah. Jeremy, and just do it. And then um, so that was my first. It was like I think it was four minutes long. And I, we ended up putting it out, and I had a ton of downloads, oh, good. Uh, more than I expected. And I had people, you know, coming up say, "Hey, we love it. We can't wait till the first guest episode." 
So uh, my first guest episode was with my martial arts instructor, and then Ooh. I interviewed um, a couple of others um, from New Hampshire, and it's been so much fun. And I haven't put out an episode since I think the end of February, but like I said, I've got five in the queue ready to yeah. go. Um, just you know, life happens, and I've been testing yeah. out a few things, and and uh, but yeah, we're about ready to say all right, one guest episode a week, and I'm also going to do the focus Fridays or the five minute Fridays. Yeah. Um. So I'll be adding that in. Uh, um. I'll be adding that. In as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, I am excited for you. Um, so the difference between when I launched and you, you have somebody that is doing the like techie stuff for you. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. I'm working with uh, Ben Liliestrom and he's amazing. And I knew he that really on my is. own, I was like, I can't, I, there's no way I could figure this out or nor did I have the time to yeah. uh, be able to put in to figure it out. He's like, just record the episode, send me the file and we'll work out all of the other details. Oh my, you know what? I almost did that. I almost hired Ben and I didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was okay hiring someone to do it. Because I did have the time and I was like, all right, there's so many people doing this. Let me see if I could try. My first episode took me almost two months to get out after I recorded it because I could not figure out how to get it out there. And iTunes kept rejecting me because I swear. (laughs) So it was like this whole thing. But for those of you listening, and I know I've mentioned this before, I actually use a site called anchor.com. Mm. So I edit my pot. Well, I semi edit it. I put in the intro and then I add the podcast, but I do it all through a thing on my computer. It's so basic. Like Ben is like amazing. And I'm like little miss basic. Who's like, here it all is. And then I just pop it into the site and they do all the hard work for me. So there are so many different ways you can get a podcast out there if you want to do it. But I think the hardest part is just, getting it out there like oh i agree the recording like i mean when it's with interviews i always concern i always think like oh god what if i say the wrong thing what if i say something stupid and i just sort of dial into the universe and i'm like all right whatever happens here happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i agree with you the the you know the hardest thing is just getting it out there but just do it my whole thing this past year has been face those fears Right, straight on, like yeah. just get out there and do it. And I'm so glad that I did it because I know that, okay, I can do this. Like yeah. if you can do this and I can figure this out. Absolutely. Well, that's what this podcast is about. It's about being scared and doing it anyway. And I always love to have guests on who have overcome that because I think way too many people out there want to do something. They have a burning desire to do it. And the only thing that's holding them back is fear of, you know, insert your word, you know, failure, rejection, whatever it is. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Like what got you here? You have a really unique journey. Yeah, it's been a wild journey. Um, I, you know, first off, I am a husband, father to three beautiful girls. We just got a dog. (laughs) I am so outnumbered. Is the dog a boy? No, the dog is a female. (laughs) I love it. And she's crazy. We got a little uh, Yorkshire Terrier. Oh, and yeah. um, you'd think she's you know not going to get any bigger than nine and a half pounds, 10 pounds, right? She's probably a psycho because I have a Cavapom and it's the same toy breed. They're little like lunatics. Oh, absolutely. She is crazy. She might be the craziest one in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I am a husband, a father to three, three amazing girls, 12, um, uh, nine and uh, four years old. 
Um, I'm a fitness coach, trainer, uh, author, new, new author. I just wrote a book. Ooh, congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's been something, um, you know, that I've wanted, I wanted to do. I want to be able to share my story, share my journey of, yeah. um, you know, what I've been through over the course of my life. And, um, I wanted to get it out there to the, you know, to people who needed to hear it. It's and I hard thought, to write it a is. book. Mine took me two and a half years. Do you mind if I ask how long it took you? Uh, it took us about four years. Oh, okay. I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, p- a little bit here, a little bit there. And then mm-hmm. so um, a-, a great friend of mine, Ben Vayer, uh, he and I have been training in martial arts together for years. And I went to him and he had already written one or two books at the time. And I said, hey, I, I got a story. You know my story, buddy. We're martial artists how can we get this, you know, how can we pen to paper this? And he's like, let's do it. So we just did a cut. We, we, you know, started off and, um, we did a couple of tests, you know, we just like, you know, I'd sit down with him on the phone or over at one of the coffee houses and we just chat, talk about my story. And then he put it into a couple paragraphs or, or, or a chapter. Oh, so said, you had someone helping you. That's what I did. Oh, okay. yeah, so it, I just did it all on my own. Except yeah. Oh for yeah. An editor. I had an editor. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Editor's key. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And, um, yeah, so we, um, we did this and it took us about four years. Now the front end of it, we were really like, okay, every week we're a meeting or every other week we're a meeting and just, you know, diving pretty deep. And then there was a period of time that just life happens, life gets in the Mm -hmm. way and we weren't able to come to it. And then finally, when coronavirus, um, happened back in March of last year, um, it was funny because I was asked to do a few virtual speaking events. Oh, very cool. And one of the first things that they asked me, uh, that a couple of the organizations asked me was, do you have a book? And I was like, well, I've got one in the works. And they said, well, if you had a book, we'll, you know, help promote it and all this stuff. And, um, and it also, too, it helps kind of kick you up to the front of the line as well. Yes. So, so um, I reached out to Ben in, in April and I said, Ben, we got to figure it. We, we have to finish this out. We, yeah. We're so it's close. Time. Like, yeah. Look, Let's do it. And uh, we got a publisher who loved the book. And uh, yeah, so we released it back in December and it has been received so well. We've had a lot of great traction. We just did our first book signing Ooh. about a month ago. That was fun. Never in a million years. I mean, like this, I, this, I, I'm the guy who I don't think I read a single book in high school. <laughs> 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 I think, you know, my girlfriend, I think, did my homework for me. Like, I, I'm going to be, you know, totally transparent and honest here, right? And uh, so we just, uh, we finished it, released it, and it's uh, it's been received very well. The best thing about it, okay, has been getting messages from people all over the country saying, I got your book, I read it, I, you know, just had heart surgery, or I'm about to have heart surgery. Yeah. And it has given me some relief. It has given yeah. me optimism and hope that, okay, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be able to uh, to move forward in my life. And um, that was the intent. And it's been, to be honest with you, it's been magnified because, I mean, I was like, hey, if we can get one person to message me back, then that's this how whole I book- felt. I'm like, if one person tells yeah. me that I mattered to them, I'm going to, like, that's not my mom. God bless my mom, like she read it. But like just anybody but my mom telling me like, oh my God, like this was beautiful. I loved it. And it really is surreal who, you know, I don't want to say who cares, but who it might resonate with. But I mean, Mm -hmm. with a heart condition, that's a big thing. There are a lot of people that can relate to that subject. Now, before we gloss over this, what is your book called? It's called um, Heart Failure to Victory. I love it. And it's available... Uh, it is available in some local bookstores here in New Hampshire, but it is also available on Amazon, 
Um, the first two weeks, I think that we were live, we were uh, a bestseller. We were a number one bestseller in the category of sport and triathlon. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, Yeah, it was cool. Never in a million years did we ever expect that or, you know, did we ever see that coming? So it was, it was pretty neat to see that. Oh my God. I love it. So now you're going to have to tell us all the stuff you've been through. Yeah. So it's been wild. Um, I was born with a congenital heart defect. I was born with a bicuspid aortic heart valve. So basically your aortic heart valve should have three little leaflets that helps facilitate blood flow into, um, and through the body. And I only had two, which is actually quite common in a lot of people. And if you have a heart murmur or, or, you know, if your doctor picks it up, many times it's related to that. So, um, we downplayed it really in the beginning, you know, all through my childhood and and high school because it never caused me any issues, or at least I never felt that it caused me issues. Looking back on it now, I do believe that it did have an effect on me, um, and a a number of ways, which I, you know, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, a little bit later on, but, um, yeah, so at 22 years old, I all of a sudden became symptomatic, um, just felt real miserable. I had no idea what was going on. And then uh, next thing I know, I've got bacterial endocarditis, which was an infection on the already diseased valve. And it was about the size of a pea or so, they said, probably at my um it my when I went into the hospital, they said if it had gotten any larger and it, you know if it bursts, it could kill you. You can go se- you know oh, you can go God. into sepsis. So thankfully, I caught it in time. Um, at 22 years old, we went in. I went into Boston. I think it was Boston Medical Center at the time. Um, had uh, my first open heart surgery. Put um, I was given the option of doing a tissue heart valve, or, you know, from a deceased from a cadaver, or I could do a mechanical heart valve. Mm-hmm. And I did not want the mechanical heart valve because I was like I was 22 years old. I was competing heavily in martial arts, yeah, just very active. And you know, they basically, you know, put the fear in me, like, oh, if you get a mechanical valve, you're never going to be able to live your life normally again. So um, I was I, like, oh, hold on, can I ask you why? Like, what is the big difference between them? Oh, so the difference between a tissue and a mechanical is a tissue valve will give you, uh, well, you're going to get a certain lifespan of that valve. Okay. So the val- the tissue valve would be about anywhere from seven to 15 years or so. And that's on a healthy individual. So you have to have another surgery. I would most definitely have to have another one at some okay. point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want that. I was like, well, I mean, I, I mean, well, looking back on it, I should have said, you know, I, I don't want that. I'll just go with the mechanical. But because I was so active and I was like, hey, I'm invincible. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to me. So I ended up, um, you know, we went with the tissue valve. Um, all was good after that. It was, I mean, other than me looking at, you know, if I had my shirt off in front of a mirror or if I was around other people and you see the scar, I that was the, that. Yeah. that was the only reminder of, okay, I had something, you know, I've got something wrong with me. Um, well just, you know, they said the warranty on it's about seven to 15 years. And just about seven years later, I, um, became symptomatic again and we didn't know what was going on, but the symptoms were very different this time. And I ended up, um, I was in the early stages of heart failure. Oh, 
which was crazy. And we had no idea. We went to a number of specialists around here. Ultimately, um, after being about 40, about 30 to 40 pounds of, you know, overweight, fluid weight. Um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, this all happened in in about April by about July, um, early July, I was about 30 plus pounds of, I had an extra 30 pounds on me. Um, you know, I went down to a a specialist and he said, yeah, you need to get to a hospital immediately. So of course me, but I'm like, you know what? No, I was like, I'll wait, I'll wait. This is going to get better. Right. (laughs) So now, you know, I'm 29 years old and finally my wife had said, nope. She's like, let's get in the car. We're going. So we drove to a Boston hospital. We drove to Tufts Medical Center. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, it was New England Medical Center before they changed over. But we went in there, and the docs looked at me, and they were like, very good chance you're not ever walking out of here alive. You were in such bad shape. You're in the worst stage of heart failure. Your organs have already started to shut down. They're like, if you had gone home, very good chance that you would not have walked. You would have fallen asleep in the next day or two, and that would have been it. It would have been lights out for good. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. So they initially put me on a transplant list. Um, but I was not in an operable state because I had so much fluid on me. They were afraid that if I went into, you know, if I went into cardiac arrest, that they're not going to be able to open me up. I mean, my heart's just not going to be able to handle it. So the game plan was get you in there, spend a week or two or however long it's going to be, get the fluid off of you, Hopefully your organs will come back to life, right? They're going to come back to a normal mm-hmm. function or as normal as they could be given the, the situation. And uh, sure enough, over about a two-week period, I got all that fluid off of me and then some. Uh, naturally, you know, I went from – so normally I'm a, at that time in my life, I was about 180 pounds. I blew up to 220 yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more. I think we may even get close to 225 pounds. But after being in the hospital, um, I think we got down, I think it was down to like 155 pounds. And, I mean, I was, I was tiny. I got, yeah. it was like, if you looked at me, it was, it was, it was rough. So, um, yeah, we, uh, at the time, uh, about a couple of days before the heart surgery, they said, all right, so you got that decision to make again. Do you want a tissue valve or do you want a mechanical valve again? I was like, that's a no brainer. I'm taking a mechanical valve and yeah. just whatever I have to do to live a normal life or as normal as I can. Um, I will do, I don't want to go through. So this you again. didn't have to do a heart transplant. I did not have to do a heart transplant, okay. fortunately enough, but I was on a list or I was, um, however they, you know, whatever their protocols are, um, that if something did occur in surgery, that steps would be put in place to do whatever, you know, yeah. to, to, to save me. So, and whatever that was, whether, whether that was a new heart or, or, you know, sew me back up or whatever, whatever they got to do keep me alive. And when one becomes available, then, you know, uh, get one. Um, so, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about, but you know, I had, when I went in there, out of 10 people that walk in there in the situation that I'm in really at any age, especially as somebody gets older, they said a good chance that only one person walks out of there alive. And I happened to hit the lottery that day. Yeah. So, um, I was in the hospital the second time around for about three weeks prior to my operation and then another two or three weeks post-op, uh, being on Coumadin, we had to make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. My body didn't want to go on Coumadin. 
it, it, re- it didn't reject it, but my body had a hard time adjusting to it. Yeah. So yeah, we had to, uh, that was, I mean, you know, typically when you have heart surgery, they want you out of there in two to three days. Cause the risk of infection being, Oh a, yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, why? <laughs> yeah, no. So they kept me in there for a good two or three weeks uh, post-op. And, um, and then finally, you know, we get to the point where the docs were like, you've been in here long enough. And I, and I was like going crazy. Cause oh, of course. You know, I know that feeling. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not hooked up to anything anymore other than, you know, one vital. Um, but I was like, just get me out of here. And then so finally they said, okay, we're going to get you out of here. But if your INR doesn't come up within a week of you being home, we got to hospitalize you um, again and get you back up, you know, get you back up to a normal level. So yeah. finally, uh, you know, I did. I got dis- discharged, came back home. Um, my magic number is 2.5 to 3.5 for my mm-hmm. INR. And, um, and for we, those of us who don't know what an INR is, it is what? It's how quickly your body um, uh, clots. Okay. Yeah. So uh, being on a mechanical valve, they worry about the valve getting or, you know, about your your blood getting either too thick and yep. forming a clot. And if that happens, then it's lights out. If your body gets too thin being on Coumadin, because it is a blood thinner, if yes, it becomes it too thin, then the worry is that you could bleed out and have any further um, further issues. So do you so, still have to take the Coumadin? Coumadin? As long as I have a mechanical heart valve, I will be on yes. Coumadin for the rest of my life. Okay. And so yep. I know... I actually have some knowledge um, with congestive heart failure because I've worked with the elderly for 15 years. And I know that usually my clients with, um, you know, any type of CHS or, you know, even AFib, I think they have to weigh Mm -hmm. themselves every day. And if they ever gain, I think it's like two pounds or lose two pounds, they have to call the doctor because that could be fluid retention. Do you have to also weigh yourself? I don't have to weigh myself. It's not something... um, um, it's, it's not been an issue. I, I mean, okay. initially we did, um, we yeah. were like all the time, but, um, I have the only time I ever weigh myself is just to, uh, personally check in. Right. Like <laughs> I know? hate weighing myself, like you're a fitness coach. So, you know, and I'm sure you work with women and we don't love getting on the scale. I actually, I haven't been on the scale in months and I keep meaning to just pop on there and be like, Oh, let me just see where I'm at. But you have to be in a really good headspace sometimes before you step on that <laughs> scale. I completely agree. And I'm not, you know, with what I do because of that reason, I don't like to, um, I, I will never push it on anybody like, oh, no. hey, jump on the scale. I mean, you can use it as accountability. I think yeah. the scale can be a great accountability tool, but I think ultimately it is how do you feel yes. when you look at yourself in the mirror? You can't fit. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. If they don't fit, chances are it wasn't because you shrunk them in the dryer, right? <laughs> I know, right? So, yeah, you I don't have know. To... I feel like this past year has been a little rough for all of us. Everybody's <laughs> talking about gaining the COVID-19. <laughs> I, I, I am totally with you. I completely agree. So, yeah. yeah it's definitely been a rough year. So, um, wow, you're story is just so amazing. Like you were that one person that got the miracle that got to, you know, walk out. How did that affect your life when you left? Because I know that you mentioned, you know, you didn't, I don't want to say you didn't take it seriously, but you had the mindset like I did as a kid 
growing up with a chronic illness where I was like, no, everything's fine. I can ignore this. Like it's all good. And then all of a sudden shit hits the fan and it is not all good. Like how did your outlook change when you realized like, wow, I could have died. So being in the hospital for five and a half weeks, almost six weeks, a lot of that time was solo time. So you get a lot of time to think, right? Yes, you do. And it's not always good. <laughs> it is not. Your mind can go to places. It can go yes. to dark places. It yeah. can go to great places. I mean, it can. It goes all over the place, right? So I was like, okay, I've already survived this once. I felt like I already, you know, I already got a, a new lease on life seven years prior. Now I'm back here again. I may not walk out of here, but if I do, how on earth am I going to make a big impact? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So I remember the night before my heart surgery, my second heart surgery, I had already met with the surgical team and they laid out, you know, the whole rundown. And I already knew because I've already been through it once before, but I was like, all right, if I walk out of here, what am I going to do? That's going to be impactful for me. What's going to keep me driving forward, but what's, what can I do to make our community better? Whatever it is. I didn't know at the time what that was going to be, but I think the driving force for me was, I was like, I want to do something so big that it seems unattainable or you can't reach it. You can't do it. It's like, I'm going to do the Iron Man. Oh, like, I love it. I was like, screw it. If I'm going to get the green light. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> absolutely. And I was like, it's not, I mean, not to like discredit a 5K or anything like that, but I had run a 5K. I had done that in my life. And I was like, I need to, to do, do something different. I want to do something different. And I felt if I did that, then anything is possible. That's the whole Iron Man mantra. Anything is possible, but anything can, you know, like no matter what circumstance or situation you're in, you can, you can do it. Right. So I, uh, I said, yeah, I'm doing this. Like I even told the surgical team I, when they came in one last time, or maybe it was in the morning. I was like, I said, Hey guys, my goal, you guys get me through this. I live and I walk out of here. Then I'm doing the Iron Man. They're like, might want to like, we're going to check your head. Like my wife was like, check he's his head. It. Like he's totally lost his mind. It's the diuretics. It was all of the stuff that I had. They're like, he's just lost his mind. So I, uh, yeah, I just, it started the day after. So I had the heart surgery. Um, it went longer than expected. I think it was a five hour. Then they, they had me on the table for about four or five hours, but then we had a complication. So they had to go back in and, and, and correct that. Um, but yeah, the next day I woke up. And I uh, was in the ICU and I said, all right, let's start with a lap around the ICU. And so then you didn't, you must've had limitations though. Like right out of the gate, like right after the surgery, you must've had like some parameters they gave you. Cause obviously you have to train for an iron man. Yeah. So, I mean, the initial um, restrictions were, I was attached to 400 wires, right? Ugh. I had tubes. I mean, tube everywhere in my body, right? Chest tubes. Delight. You know, oh yeah, it was awful. But I was like, whatever, I'll hold on to the thing. And to be honest with you, that first lap, if you didn't have, if I wasn't attached to 400 tubes or wires, I, it would have been, it was actually pretty pleasant because oh, prior to that, you know, being in heart failure, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without yeah. feeling like I was going to die. Mm -hmm. I, and my wife and I, we lived, um, um, on, we were two flights up. Right. So, and there was no elevator where we lived. So we had to walk up every day. And so for that last month before surgery, always walk or last month and a half, uh, walking up, like I dreaded it. I'd walk up four steps and I'd hang over the banister. I was oh. like, 
oh, I got to get up another four steps. And I go up another four, and I think it's a total of 16, right? It would take me 15 minutes to walk up, you know, two flights of stairs. Yeah. But it, it, but that's that's the result of being in the worst stage of heart failure. You you can't breathe. Yeah. You can't and and so that first lap around the ICU, I was like, I just, I was like, um, hook me up with a medal, give me a T-shirt. Right? Like I just finished the biggest race of my life. It was it was pretty cool. It was it was neat. And then next day it was two laps, and then three, and then I got moved out of the ICU, and I was on a, a little bit. I was on a quieter unit, so I could just get up and go whenever I wanted. Oh, that's and awesome. I just kept building it up, and then. Three years, almost to the day, um, I think it was like I, I, I checked in on the 21st of July of the to the hospital. And then on July 25th, three years later, um, I crossed the finish line of Ironman Lake Placid. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so it took you, you know, you trained for a couple of years for this. That's awesome. Now, an Ironman, I have never done one. Is that strictly running? I think I'm confusing things in my head. Is that just running or is there mm-hmm. obstacles and stuff? No, so it does include running. Okay. Um, so it is a two and a half mile or 2.4 mile swim, a oh. 112 mile bike ride, and then you finish off with a 26.2 mile run. Wow. Okay. Yep. So I am like floored that you were able to do this because I just heard all that and I was like, Oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I started off small. I mean, I oh, like, of course. I, I, when I first started off, I could not get from one lap of the, one lap of the pool to the other. Like when I first jumped in on day one, I'm a terrible swimmer. Like I can get where I need to go in a pinch, but I am not great at it. Yeah, me either. I mean, I grew up, my parents had a pool, they had an in-ground pool, so we'd always recreationally swim. Yeah. It's a lot different when you have to go from one end, you know, and, um, so I just started off, I started off, you know, one, uh, you know, just like I did when I was in the ICU and when I was in the hospital, like with one lap, I was like, okay, I'm going to do one lap. And the next day it was two and then I built it up and, um, yeah. And then I signed up, I signed up cause I, we had to sign up a year in advance yeah. because it would sell out so quickly. Um, so I signed up in the summer of 2009 for 2010, knowing that it's game time. It's yeah. on. So, uh, yeah. And we trained and it was pretty incredible. So part of this whole, like, all right, I want to make an impact in the community. What does that look like? Um, I ended up fundraising for the Nature Conservancy, uh, the local chapter here in New Hampshire. Perfect. Yeah, because we're always out riding on the trails and we're doing, or you know, taking advantage of the trails and, 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 and everything that they protect here in New Hampshire. I was like, I'm going to do something. So we had a very successful campaign. I think we raised close to two hundred something thousand dollars. Oh, that's amazing! Um, yeah, it was neat. It was a it was a really cool experience. And um, and then fast forward uh, about four year five years later to 2015, I. Um, had a friend of mine say, Hey, I know, you know, I hadn't done any fundraising. I, had, I just, it was pretty quiet for a while. And they said, if you want to get back into multi-sport and running and these long distance events, you should run the Boston marathon. Uh, you should look at Teddy Bruski's team. And so sure enough, I looked up his team, did some research and I said, yep, I want to cross the finish line of the Boston marathon. So I applied for the team. I got accepted onto the team in 2015. I ran my first Boston and have run six Boston marathons uh, since. 
Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All with Teddy. Teddy is, he's become um, a great mentor of ours. He's become a great friend. He, you know, um, any, any, any Boston sports fan, whether you were a Patriots oh God, fan, yeah, hockey fan, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Teddy Bruschi, right? Yeah. The guy is amazing. Stand up and- guy. Oh, absolutely. And he's run with us. I think since I've been on the team, he's run with us twice. Uh, no, either once or twice. I have to look back. Um, but, um, you know, he's he's just he's an incredible guy. And um, unfortunately, this year, I don't think I'm running with the team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put my bib. I'm going to put my name in for 2022 to run again. I'm it's hoping. in the fall this year, right? We moved it is. Are we in September? But is it going to be in person or? Yep. No, uh, as of now. right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a limited field size to 30. I mean, I think it's uh, 20,000 runners this year, as opposed to their normal 30,000, give or take a few. But um, I'm planning on doing an Ironman in the fall, and that Ironman happens to be two days after Boston. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's uh, so yeah, it's just that not in just the feels like you're asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a hundred, hundred. Like it just feels like you're asking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, I agree. So I, you know, I opted, but I am, I am part of the team this year. I'm running one of their races, and I'll always be a part of the team. I mean, I love the team. I've made incredible friendships with everybody, and we've all been through a lot over the years, especially yeah. this past year. I ran the Boston Marathon virtually. Um, this past year, and um, I I thought I was gonna hate it, right? And but it's I it's enjoy- not as exciting. To, like it, I've done a bunch of virtual races. I did a half marathon last year, and it's awesome because like at the end you're like, hell yeah, I just ran thirteen point one miles. You know, just because. It's just different when you have, like, the people around you that randomly cheer you on. Like, when I did my first half, if people weren't, like, randomly cheering me on and I didn't have, you know, my friends there, I would have, I don't know, it would have been rough. Yeah, I I agree. And when it went to virtual, I was like, but I was like, okay, ultimately, I'm running this not because I just want to cross the finish line. I've already got that t-shirt, right? But it was, like, the mission of Teddy's team, raising money for stroke and heart disease, and I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make the best of this year. I only want to do really one year virtual, but I'm going to make the best of it. And it turned out, it was actually pretty neat because we did it. Uh, well, um, uh, uh, two days before I was about to start, uh, about to run the marathon virtually, um, I got a message from our state's governor and it's like, Hey, can I jump in and, you know, join you for the last mile and a half? So <laughs> So it was awesome. I ran, you know, I had some friends that joined me. I ran by my old high school. Oh, that's funny. I uh, I met up with our state's governor and he and I ran the last mile and a half in with a couple Did of our friends. Did you create your own finish line? So we finished. It was pretty cool. Uh, we had, so the BAA gave us finish line um um, stickers yep. and tags to run through, which was really cool. That's funny. But I finished it at the state house in Concord. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So we came down and it was neat. Like we had, uh, you know, police escort and uh, security Fancy. detail with us and we went right down and uh, we finished right in front of the uh, state house. So it was, uh, it was, I- I'll never forget it. I mean, how could you ever, yeah. you know, I would do like it could never be done. I don't think it was just so much fun. And the guys that I ran with, it was just uh, not it will, uh, both uh, male and female runners that I was with. It was just one of the most awesome experiences ever. So 
for a virtual oh race. Yeah, yeah, right? I know. Oh, my God. That is so fun. You've gotten to do some cool things. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been wild. So it's it's cool. We get some, you know, just cool stuff in the works and in the in the years and, um, you know, in the years ahead. Okay, perfect. So tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned you're a fitness coach. Were, did, were you a coach before your surgery at 29 or did that sort of organically happen after? Nope. So, well, I, I was a coach. I had just got into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I was working with my father. We were working in the, I was working in a construction business. He owned a, um, a construction company, very small, very, you know, just only a few of us there. So, and I, I knew that that's not really what I wanted to do. It was just something to, you know, pass some time by for a couple of years. And so I uh, made the jump. I um, started doing some one-on-ones. I built up a client base pretty quickly, about four months into building up the space. All of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm sick. I'm in the hospital. I had to call all my clients and say, not coming back. I don't know when I'm going to be back, if I'm ever coming back, right? And um, after I got the green light post-op the second time to be, you know, to get back into this, I had some second guesses like, do I, or, you know, I was like, do I really want to do this again? I know how hard it was to quickly build up a business or to build up a clientele. I was like, do I really want to do it again? But I was like, yeah, I I got a second chance at life, third chance at life. I'm doing this. So we built it up. um, And uh, yeah, so I've been doing this now for 13 years. I love it. This past year has been pretty interesting. Um, We've had to make some really big pivots. Yeah. You know, what, you know, pivots, Meaning, hey, started a podcast show, wrote yeah. a book, finished the book, you know, doing those things. And um, I've created a new company that I'm launching now, which I'm really excited. It's a, um, taken my my love of martial arts. I've been training now for I was going to 20- ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. I've been training for about 25 plus years. And I took my love of martial arts and my love of running and multi-sport. I've merged them both and I've created a program for um, raising awareness, uh, you know, being aware of your surroundings um, while you're out running, training, biking, whatever it might be. So, and it's taken off quite a bit. I've actually, this evening, I have an event. We had an event last week. I have one next week. I'm going down to Miami potentially in the next couple of weeks to do a course. So it's, um, it's part of this whole year pivot, right? Pivot That's and evolve. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't do a lot of martial arts. I do run and I get a little weird sometimes when mm. I'm running, um, not in the woods. You'll never catch me running in the woods, but sometimes I do like bike trails and I find myself in areas that like aren't populated and I always get a little nervous, but I learned in self-defense. I took a couple of self-defense classes that you want to try to make sure that you know what's going on around you. You see the people around you and you make eye contact with them. So whenever I run with other people, I'll be running with one of my girlfriends and I'll see other people and I'll be, and I'll look them dead in the eye and I'll be like, hi, good morning. And like, I want you to know that I know you're there. Is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? Absolutely. 100%. And I even take it one step further that in a situation that becomes, or is potentially going to become a bad situation, how do you defend yourself? How do you get out? So in the course I have, couple of simple basic moves uh that we you know uh that, that i teach our participants and how to you know if somebody grabs you by the hair or they grab you in a, in a front choke what do you do and yeah. um, 
So last week we did a course here at my gym and I had a, we had a handful of people in here and it was so much fun. Um, and it's it was informative. Yeah. Like yeah. it's informative. And I know that, um, because in the self-defense class, she tells she shows you like how to do certain things. But I know for me, if I'm in a fight or flight mode, I'm just going to like flail around to like, and absolutely I remember how to do these things because one of the things she said was, Go to these courses as often as you can so that it's embedded into your brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I'm like little Miss Nervous Nelly when I'm like out in the dark or like in the city. I mean, I don't run in the dark by any stretch, but I know that there's certain areas I'm not just going to run by myself in because I don't want to put myself in one of those situations. Yeah, well, the key is at all costs – to avoid putting yourself in that position yeah. in that situation. But if you are in a situation where you're running, maybe you're in an unfamiliar territory, maybe you're, but you know that you need to get from point A to point B and you're going to have to go through it. Like be aware of everything. Yeah. Who's driving by or is there, a, is there a certain vehicle that keeps circling you? Yeah. It's gone by three or four times. Grab the I license plate. I considered that one. Oh yeah. That's like one of the, you know, okay. You, you, I'm just thinking of people walking by me and I always think in my head as a joke, I can run faster than them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And like wearing earbuds. I mean, everybody yeah. now wears an earbud, like when they're yeah, out there, right? It's absolutely. a great distraction, but you know, keep one out. Don't have yeah. both of them. So you have that awareness of your surroundings and what's going on or somebody's yelling for you or, you know, maybe you're not the victim, right? Yeah. But maybe you are potentially a witness to something that's going on. Maybe somebody is getting attacked and they're yelling. So it's always all of those, you know, all of those feelers, those sensory, those sensors are out there, um, you know, being alert, being aware and being alert. So after having this conversation, I'm in the middle of a 40 day running streak. My birthday is coming up and I'm doing, um, I'm raising money for the colitis and Crohn's foundation. So I'm doing 40 days, 40 miles, $40. And I asked a bunch of people if they wanted to match me for it. So I'm in the middle of this like crazy running streak last year. I did a um, hundred days and now I'm like, okay, when I go out there, you need to work on your awareness. And I have like another 20 something days to really get it down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, that Can- yeah. Running is like my therapy. <laughs> It is. And, and like this past year, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, I know where we are in our community. It's a small community. It's a, you know, community. See, I'm kind of in a city. Yeah. We're about 50,000 or so here, but I've seen people that live close by, right? Out running, out walking, they're out doing stuff that, you know, that they probably would have never done if this yeah. all didn't happen. So that's a, you know, one of the blessings to all of this. Oh and- yeah. I never would have been able to do a hundred day streak last year. If, mm. um, you know, I was going to the office every single day, like that just wasn't going to happen. But I sort of hit the wall after we were home for like two months. And I just, I work out every day anyway. I love it. Um, mm. But I just needed an outlet to get out of my head and to honestly leave the house. Yeah. Like we weren't leaving the house for a long time. And it was like, I just needed to not look at my four walls anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I can't even so. imagine what you went through, like having the girls and stuff. But like, it was crazy and I needed to get out there. But I know that um, sometimes I get a little apprehensive on the bike trails because I feel like, oh, God, like what if I'm in a situation where someone comes at me or something like that? So that's an amazing course. Do you do it online or do you just go places to do it? 
So right now, booking all in person. Um, okay. However, we are working on a digital component, which Perfect. I believe will. I, I've already done one run at it. Um, we had to make a couple of tweaks, of um, but uh, so I was hoping to already have that digital component out. But we're looking at probably mid to late June where that okay. will be completed. Hey, that's and, still uh, that's coming right up. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's next month. It's three, yeah. three weeks from now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's called run empowered. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, it all came about cause I was out on a run with some female runners and some guy drove by us and yelled at us probably because oh, we were running in the middle of the road. Ass? <laughs> cause that's my favorite one. Oh, uh, we, we, I, I don't, I think he told us to go, to go F off basically. Why? <laughs> I, we, we may have been running in the middle of the road. We right. may have been. People are just rude. I'm sorry. Some people I are know. just rude. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so one of the female runners was like, Oh my gosh, what would I do if he, if he stopped his truck and he came back here? And one of the others, somebody else was like, well, Jeremy knows martial arts, ask him, what would he do? And then I went home and I I literally, I stayed up all night researching. What is there out there like this? And there is, you know, there's one uh, individual who's doing an amazing job. Um, his name's Todd, uh, Todd Williams. He does an amazing job with his program in getting as many runners um, out there uh, aware of their surroundings. And I was like, okay, I can do something similar to this too, like yeah. and serve our community. And, and um, so, yeah, I, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. When you cool. launch it online, I will definitely be watching that because I think if nothing else, it'll make me feel better to have, you know, when you have the tools, when you have the knowledge, then it again it doesn't seem so scary half of it is you know the unknown like yeah. what would i do in this situation and then that fear creeps in and you're like okay well i'm just not gonna do it um yeah. which is i think why i say like when i do the bike trails i usually bring somebody with me because i feel like there's more safety in numbers but i would say 95 percent of the time i run alone i mm-hmm. actually this sounds terrible i prefer to run alone because i just want to get lost in what i'm doing yeah <laughs> You know, yeah. like I just need to be out of my head. And uh, a lot of my friends, they're, they're not really runners. So if I get them to do it, they're not as excited as I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and you said, you know, a couple minutes ago, it's your therapy, right? Yeah. Running's therapy yeah. for so many people. And you want to be out there, you want to be out there alone and you don't, you, you know, to have that confidence of, okay, yeah. I can run out here alone. And if something does happen, I know how I'm going to, how I'm going to be able to react. So it's, it's a powerful tool. It's, yeah, uh, it's, I keep, em- it's empowering. I keep meaning to put, I have one of those flip belts and I'm like, maybe I should put like a Swiss army knife in here just in case. So even better. Okay. Um, I've connected with a company called go guarded. Okay. They are their Her products um, are amazing. So you can get the ones with the little knives in there. You can get um, handheld pepper sprays. Oh, okay. Um, sa- uh, alarms. They're amazing products. Like that's what we're, that's what I mean. That's what we use now in all of of my um, uh, in, I'll have to all check of my those events. Out. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. And they're very affordable, but hey, you can't put a price on life. If you ever had to defend yourself and even just carrying the pepper spray, I mean, let's, you know, maybe you don't have to deal with an individual, but let's say you've got a dog that comes up or an animal that, you know, it's. That's happened to me too. You don't know. First of all, I love animals and I assume they're all friendly, but I'm realistic. I know they're not. So Hmm. if a dog's coming at me and it's like off a leash, just sort of willy nilly, I'm, I definitely get a little, Ooh, what am I supposed to do here? Because 
you know, I don't know if you're friendly and I'm never going to come up to you, but I also feel like I'm running and that's like the dog might see that as hostile and come at me. Absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's yeah, so. so many like different things. Oh my God. That's awesome that you did that program. I will absolutely check that out. Um, I did want to ask you, you've been doing martial arts for 23 years. I uh, started in 1993. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So I can't do math, but I know that's a long, <laughs> know that's a long time. <laughs> do you do like um, a specific type of martial arts or do you sort of, um, are you all over the place with it? So my main one, which has pretty much been from day one is combined Kempo. Okay. Um, and then, so I've, you know, I've got a fifth degree black belt in combined Kempo. I have a, um, and then I got into Kung Fu in, um, in the early two or late nineties, early two thousands. So I got a black sash in Kung Fu. And then over the years, I've done Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, mm-hmm. Muay Thai, kickboxing. I've done all of those as supplemental to my primary art of Kempo. I love the art, uh, and just everything about it and our school. And, um, but all the other things like having the background of Muay Thai and kickboxing is awesome. I did that for a period of time. Yeah. And then, I was doing some really cool specialty stuff at a Krav Maga studio in Boston. Yeah. Um, and we were doing like just stuff that I wouldn't normally get in a Kempo class or a Kung Fu class, like yeah. kidnapping evasion or active shooter situations and, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that. So that was eye opening to me. And I love that. So it's been over the years. The only time, I mean, I've had a couple periods where I've taken a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, both times when I had heart surgeries, I took six months off. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, been been at it ever since, and just I love it. I love everything about it. So that's really cool. I've always considered maybe uh, jumping out of my comfort zone and going to actual real classes for that. Um, I'm an aerobics mm-hmm. person. I've been an aerobics instructor for over 20 years, so I've actually taught kickboxing, but I didn't like it because I felt like there was a lot of room for injury if I didn't mm-hmm. teach it properly. So I very briefly did that, but I love doing. Um, kickboxing and like I have one workout that I do that has like the Muay Thai and you know Mm -hmm. a couple of different factors and I always feel like a badass when I'm doing it like kicking and punching I always finish and I'm like yeah I can kick your ass and like I just feel really cool after like what more empowering feeling like it's unbelievable right and like a roundhouse (laughs) oh my gosh it's amazing like I or like what like when we like you know, for like in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you get, you choke somebody out or you don't choke them out, but you know, you get like, <laughs> they don't teach that in my videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, obviously there's safety aspects. And that was something like, because I absolutely love the martial arts and I was competing a lot prior to my second surgery yeah. that I have to be careful. I can't like a, a bad hit or yes. could be there, you know, that being on blood the thinners. Thing. There's a lot of injury. Like you have to do these things mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just changed things. I modified stuff. I didn't want to get in there and get hit and all that anymore. Like not the way that we were back in the day Yeah. because I mean, it could literally kill me if I, yeah. You know, had you know got hit and um let's say i you know bled out or so you know it's just had to be careful so but you gotta live too gotta live gotta live your life and not in fear no oh my god jeremy i gotta tell you your story what you have going on is just absolutely amazing i am sitting here thinking like girl you gotta up your game (laughs) 
<laughs> like you are doing some amazing things. Um, I do have one final question, but before I do, cause my listeners know what I'm going to ask you. I ask every single person, the same one as an ender. Where can we find you? Where can, where can we connect with you? And I will put this link in the show notes for you. Great. Yeah, no. So you guys can catch me. I am online, uh, ironheartjeremy.com. Um, I'm getting more and more active now on Instagram. I'm ironheartjeremy on Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Jeremy Woodward and ironheartjeremy as well. Although I'm most active on Instagram right now. So perfect. And I'm also going to put a link to, um, your book, because Perfect. I think Thank there's you. probably a lot of people that want to go out there and I'm all about promoting people and, and what they have to say, but this has been an amazing conversation. And it has been, it's been a I know, ton this of has fun. Been, like this has been so good. Like I feel so inspired right now that I need to like go out and do something awesome. Um, but I do have one more question for you. Yeah, of course. Of course. What would you consider the most fearless thing you've ever done in your life? The most fearless thing I would say overcoming, overcoming heart surgery the second time, knowing what to expect. The first time I had no idea what to expect. The second time being in heart failure, having to overcome that knowing how awful you're going to feel when you wake up. Yeah. Um, All the other things that come about with it, but it was, you know, also like I was married, you know, well, I I mean, I'm still married right now, but (laughs) I I had just got, we had just got married uh, two years prior to my second heart surgery. So, I mean, I was like, I, I've got to live. I've got a, you know, I've got a wife. We didn't have was, kids at the were time. Were you guys but... together for the first one when you were 22 no. or you hadn't met no. her yet? No. We, we okay. had not met. Yeah, no, okay. we hadn't met. So, but I was like, I got to, I got to get through this because yeah. we got to, we want to have a family, like all of these things. And I was like that, I, I would say that was probably the most fearless thing is getting through that and, oh, yeah. and getting through it with an, a pot with a positive attitude. I totally believe in the power of positivity. Same. If you are a negative person, it's going to, you're going to be negative. You're going to be, you're going to be miserable to be around, right? Yeah. If you are a positive person, people are attracted to positivity. They want to be around that. And as dark as the moments may have been in the hospital, especially the second time around, mm-hmm. I stayed positive and I was like, I'm going to get through this. I don't care. Well, let's be real. That is not an easy feat because I've had those dark moments where I've had to like pick myself off, up, the, ugh, up off the floor and be like, you can't give up. You can do this. Like it is hard when you're in it and when you're in the hospital for that amount of time and you're being told like, well, there's a one in 10 chance you might walk out of here. Like it's hard to be positive. Yeah. How can you be positive? Right. But any human would struggle with that. I agree. I, I completely agree. And I've had some, fri- um, you know, uh, people that I've connected with over the years and, and my circle of heart. Um, and they, people have reached out and they said, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give somebody going into heart surgery and, and coming out of it? I'm always telling, I always tell them, be positive. Yeah. Be positive. 100%. It's the simplest thing, but yet it's the hardest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. That is perfect advice. And 
This conversation has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know yeah. that you're going to reach so many people. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And, oh, anytime. Um, if, if there, if any of the listeners have any questions or they need any, you know, positivity or anything, whatever it might be, please don't, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm happy to help and talk in any way, uh, any capacity that I can. Yes, guys, please do that. And if you liked this episode, definitely share it with a friend. You know, leave that five-star view, just saying. Um, but you know our motto here. It's okay to be scared. Do it anyway. <laughs>